listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. We are continuing week three of Outside the Circle. How many of you guys have been enjoying our sermon series so far? Um, it's, it's been really good. Uh, Pastor Jason kicked us off with an amazing message week one. Uh, I had the honor of getting to speak last week while he was in Rwanda, and that was a message that he crafted, and it was directly from him. I was just the mouthpiece for it, and it was an amazing message. And now this week, this is more of uh, Jason. Uh, as we were talking this past week, he felt like God Uh, spoke to him that he had spoken something to me, and he did, and he asked me about it, and so we had some dialogue about it and formed this sermon, and so um, I'm really excited to get into this, so let's just kind of get started, all right? Um, And so this is week three, and so we've been asking this question every week to start out. So the question that we've been asking is, if I were to draw a circle around your feet, is what is inside the circle enough for you? Is that enough for you to survive? Is it enough for you and your family? If you were to dig into your pockets right now and what you had in your pockets is what you had to survive on until, you, until your last day here on earth, is it enough? The answer more than likely is no, right? Like you're not gonna be able to buy groceries for the rest of your life unless you're you know, just like a secret millionaire that nobody knows about. Like you're not gonna be able to buy groceries for you and your family for the rest of your life off, off what's in your pocket. At some point, that money is gonna run out, Right? At some point, the provision that you think you have is going to run out. See, is what is inside your circle, is it enough for you to fulfill God's purpose for your life? Is it enough for you to feel successful in your life? Is it enough for you to find everything that God wants for you? The reality is, is no, it's not. We have to step outside that circle to really find what God has for us. Because inside the circle, we have a limited understanding of what things look like. But outside the circle, there's unlimited potential for what God has for us, right? So we talked about how stepping outside the circle is where we find growth. We become willing to be poured out. We find real change. That's why we want to get outside the circle. Because inside the circle is an endless cycle of habits and hangups that keep us exactly where the enemy wants us. It's, it's outside the circle is where sacrificial service becomes a lifestyle, not a chore. See, it's living out John 15, 5. We talked about this, this in week one and week two. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We have to understand that we need him. But we don't just need him, need to look like him. We don't just need to sound like him. We don't just need to mimic him. We need to have relationship with him where it's him working through us. It's not just us creating an illusion that we're like him because there is a difference. I've known tons of people. I've grown up in church. I've known tons of people that have been able to quote the scriptures and say the right thing and do the right thing and they sound the right way. And then all of a sudden one day their mask comes off and you're like, oh, you're a fraud. Like, this is not good, right? I've been in a situation where, where there has been a person in high-level leadership that they did all the right things and said the right things, and then they got there and they realized that they had imposter syndrome, that they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to lead. They were just looking and sounding like other people, and when they got there, they realized that they needed God to move, that they needed, they needed God to show up and do something, 
And so they got outside their circle. They got leadership in their life. They, got, they began to read books. They began to encounter God in a real way, and things drastically changed for them, and the potential of who they are became the reality of who they were. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take that potential in your life and turn it into a reality, that we don't miss out on the potential of God's purpose. Because that's the thing is, is because I said this earlier when, it, during worship, is we're so focused on what's happening next. Where am I going? What's the next step? How can I grow more? What's, what's the next ladder I can climb? We're so focused on, on, on getting to there that, that the everyday, the momentary, the, the in-the-moment thinking becomes about the tomorrow instead of being in the moment. And Jesus tells us that worry about today because tomorrow has its own troubles right? Like, worry about today. Be present in what's going on right now, and we need to do that, but we have to get outside the circle because what the circle does is it gets tighter and tighter and tighter and causes us to focus more on what could happen or the worry and the anxiety, and we begin to worry about what if, what if our family's in a car accident? What's going to happen? And, and fear begins to creep in, and, and doubt begins to creep in. See, we need to walk like him. We need to, to sound like him. We need to desire him. See, because we can desire to be like him, talk like him, have relationship with him, but until we step outside of our circle and take action, we don't really know him. We don't know who he is. We don't know who he is until we take that step of faith and we see him come through. Until we, we, we don't have the finances that we need. And we take that step of faith and say, God, you've got this. And he shows up and he's a provider. Until so we're, we're wounded and, and we have sickness and we step outside and, and fast and pray and ask God to show up and he shows up and he's a healer. Right? Like we don't know him until we take those steps outside of our own understanding and really experience him. See, we need to know him because the sheep know their shepherd's voice we know his voice and we need to know his voice so we don't fall victim to the enemy because the enemy likes to mimic his voice the enemy likes to try to sound like him to get you de de derailed and off path and off purpose and he'll tell you 98 percent truth with two percent lie and it changes everything in your life because you think that's god's voice and so we have to be careful we have to know his voice we have to have intimate relationship with him, not just, not just I'm reading my scripture today to mark a check off my checklist. That's one of the things I love about doing these soap journals. It's one of the things I love to, about these soap journals is I, when I get into the word, I'm, I'm not just reading it. I'm looking for something that I can apply to my life that I can be different and so every day when I get into the soap journal, there's something I take away and something I can apply to my life. And there's something that I can change and, and become deeper in relationship with him. That's why I'm so excited for you guys to experience this because that's what happens. Is you're getting these little bite-sized things that you get to change every day. And within a month, you're, it's like you're a brand new person. It's like everything's different. See, we can be stepping outside the circle and find more of him, but that doesn't change the fact that we have an enemy that is out there looking for an opportunity to keep us from him. See, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 
when you wake up in the morning and you step out of the comfort of your, of your home, where you have spiritual control, where you have the, the, the authority to bring peace, and you step out into the chaos of the world, are you looking for the devourer? Are you looking for the roaming lion that's trying to, to devour you? Or are you just going about your day thinking everything's cupcakes and rainbows, and then some, some, suddenly something blows up, and you're like, what happened? And it's like, because God tried to show you the six traps that the enemy laid for you before you fell in, into his plan for you. But we're so focused on what's coming next that we weren't watching where our feet were going. The scriptures say that his word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. A lamp's light, I don't know if you guys know this, only goes so far. It only goes so far. And so we have to be careful that we're not trying to take steps before his light has been shed on where we need to go. See, Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. We have to make sure we are making God the priority. We need to love him with everything so our mindset can be filled with him and his ways. Man, I, so it's funny. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday, and we were talking about how uh, we're kind of justice-oriented. And when we're in traffic, like, we get mad when somebody does something silly. And, like, I'm the type of person that... Um, I have to really watch myself and be filled with his ways in those moments because I will follow someone. Like, I, I have to be careful, right? And, and it's in those, it's so funny because it's like we don't think about how losing our cool in traffic can lead to having a fight with your spouse at home. But that's how the enemy works. If he can, if he can get you to overstep a holy boundary here, then later along the line you've already breached it, so why not do it again over here? We've already lost control once, and once we lose control, it's real hard to, to rein it back in, right? So we have to watch ourselves that in everything, we're keeping him and his ways priority. We have to be aware that the enemy is going to look for opportunities to try and trip us up, and he's not going to go quietly. Matthew 12, 43 through 45 says this, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and, and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. We have to be careful that when we begin to change things. We're not just creating behavior modifications and putting systems in place to keep us from doing something evil, to keep us from doing something sinful, but we, we, we have that behavior modification empowered by the Holy Spirit so that way when the enemy comes back, the enemy's not welcomed. Right. That the house is filled. That when, when those spirits come back, the Holy Spirit there is there and is like, no, like you're not welcomed here anymore. But we can only do that through experiencing him, through worshiping him, through, through encountering his word. See, just because he leaves for a few days doesn't mean that he's, we are done with him. Just Have you ever been in a, in a sin cycle or a pattern where you're really trying to break something and it's like, man, I've made it seven days. Man, I've made it 14 days. Man, I've made it 21 days. Man, I've made it 31 days. And then day 32, something tempts you and you're like, oh, snap. And then you got to start the whole thing all, all over again. It's because while we were working in our, 
And we had an initial moment with Jesus. We began at some point doing it in our own strength, in our own power, and we forgot to bring Jesus with us. We forgot to be empowered by a spirit. We forgot to, to, to bring him with us so we can be, be empowered by him. So no matter what the temptation is, James 4, 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But in order to submit to God, we have to bring God with us. See, he's going to try to come back and put us right back in that circle. He's going to try and get you wrapped up in insecurity, in fear, in inadequacy, in reluctance. He wants to do anything possible to keep you inside your circle. He wants you where you are comfortable. In week one, Pastor Jason said this, Be weary of growth without breaking. If you really want to grow in God, there's going to be some breaking that happens. What's the old saying? You can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Right? There's going to be some breaking. He continued and said, in order to erase the circle completely, we're going to have to wrestle with accusations that the enemy hurdles at us. But here's the key. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We fight from victory. We have to understand that you are not fighting to win. Jesus already won for you. He already defeated death, hell, and the grave for you. So you don't have to fight those things. You don't have to fight those demons. All you have to do is submit to God and resist the devil. That's all we have to do. That's what's required of us. But so many times we turn it into our fight when it's not. He's already won the fight. We know the end of the book. We know what Revelation says. We know what's going to happen. Yet still, every day, because we're focused on tomorrow, the enemy can trip us up. And then what happens? We get, we get so complacent and apathetic and worried that we're not pleasing God when God's like, no, like, you never had to please me. While you were still a sinner, I died for you. While we were still sinners. See, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. The victory is in Jesus' hands. All power and authority is his. All of it. We, we have more respect. Let me be careful how I say this. That was about to be rude, sorry. Um, oftentimes, we respect the power and authority of our boss and his yes and his no, or her yes and her no, then we do the authority of the almighty God that controls all of the universe. See, we get to walk freely in the freedom that's found in the blood of Jesus Christ. We get to walk freely in it. There's no price you have to pay. The only thing that's required of us is to follow him. But we turn it into, like we talked last week, there's selfishness versus service. We turn it into a thought process of what is it going to cost us. See, if, if the victory is in Jesus' hands, if this is the case, then why do we fall victim to a defeated enemy? There's a scripture that says that on that day when we finally meet him, we're going to go, is that him? Is that the one? Is that the one that caused all the mess? We're going to realize, golly, and we're going to laugh at ourselves. 
We're going to find it so funny that that was the one that did it. See, he wants, we, I say this all the time, the enemy wants us to lose with him. He's already lost, so he's trying to get as many people to lose with him as possible. See, he wants us to join him in eternal separation. Because that's what, that's what we lose, is we lose eternal relationship with God the Father when we choose to walk out the enemy's plan for us instead of God's plan for us. So how is he going to do this? By any means necessary. Let's take a look at Moses. See, we know where he ended up. We know that, that he led the people out of Egypt, that he did signs and wonders and all these things, right? That, that there were the, the, the ten plagues, and we know that he led the people. We know that he established the law, the tabernacle, and yada, yada, yada. The list goes on and on for what Moses did, right? But in those moments of crisis decisions, Moses had a choice. And every single one of them. And we see this the second time with the rock. He had a choice. The first time God told him to strike the rock. The second time he told him to speak to the rock. But Moses was angry so he struck the rock again. And he was in a moment of crisis and instead of listening to God, he followed his own desire. Instead of choosing faithfulness, he chose what he knew. Instead of choosing life, he chose death. But how did this all start for Moses? See, I'm sure that some of you are familiar with the story, but let's take a look. In Exodus chapter 1, we see that Pharaoh commanded the people that every Hebrew son was to be cast into the Nile River. Moses' mother put him in a basket in the Nile, and Pharaoh's daughter found him, and she adopted him. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. One day, he was grown, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. Anger seemed to be a problem for Moses, like, his whole life, right? I identify with that. <laughs> he fled to Midian. And then he, he married a daughter of the priest of Midian. And he became, he, he started to tend to his father-in-law's flocks. And then we get to Exodus chapter 3 where he comes across the burning bush. Right? And this is an important thing. See, this was an outside the circle moment for Moses. He had a decision to make. Do, my, I, do I mind my own business or do I go see what's going on? Because he, he's, he's, he's on the mountainside. He's tended to his flocks. And then there's a burning bush over here. And, and so I can imagine it based upon the language that's used. Because it says that Moses says, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why, the, why this bush is not burned up. And so that means he was looking at it like this. So I'm going to turn aside. And the moment he stepped, God began to talk to him. The moment he got outside of his circle, God began to speak. What if God's word in your life that you're craving so much is waiting on you to step out? Come on. <laughs> it was in this moment where he stepped out of his, outside his circle. Just like we talked about last week, he was looking outside of his circle to see God opportunities. Are you looking outside your circle to see God opportunities? Are you really trying to find what God has for you? So what happens? When he stepped out of his, outside his circle, he encountered God in a life-changing way. Man, I don't know about you, but I, I desire, I'm desperate to encounter God in life-changing ways. 
but it takes me stepping outside of my circle and my comfort zone and my own understanding to find that. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, it says, When the Lord saw that he had turned aside, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for this place which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am God. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. When Moses turned, God began to speak. What if every, everything that you're desiring in life, the purpose, the more, the fulfillment, is waiting on you to respond to what God is doing outside the circle? Man, I remember there, there have been moment, moments in my life, a, a time in my life, where I would go to bed at night and stare at the ceiling just being like, God, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. And if you're in that place, the more is outside your comfort. It's outside where you're at right now. And that's okay. I know this is something that we've been repeating, but it's because it's so important. We have to be able to see outside the circle. If you can't see outside the circle, maybe you just need to start by renewing your mind in his word and just letting his word wash over to you, over you. While you're on your way to work, you version, it, it's, it has audio, so you can listen to it. Plug it up to your, to your, use an auxiliary cord, Bluetooth, whatever you got, get it on your radio and just let it wash over you on your way to work. You'd be surprised how just doing that would change something. See, because the enemy will try to isolate you. He'll try to get us to feel like there's nothing else but the circle. There's nothing else but this situation. There's nothing else but what everybody's told me. There's nothing else but I'm not good enough. There's nothing else but I'm not loved. There's nothing else other than I'm damaged goods. But that's the circle the enemy wants to keep you in so you won't find his purpose for you. He will do whatever it takes to get you to focus on what you think you need when this is something that's important is when Jesus was led into the wilderness to fast by the Holy Spirit, Satan showed up and tried to twist the scripture to get Jesus to, to succumb to temptation. But Jesus resisted the devil. He submitted to God and he fled. One of my f- favorite moments out of the three temptations is, is the moment where Satan brings Jesus up where he can see all the kingdoms of the earth. And he says, all this can be yours. And we know that this is what is promised to Jesus through him dying on the cross and raising from the dead. That all the kingdoms on earth, that all power and authority is going to be his. And Satan looks at Jesus and says, if you bow to me right now, it can be yours. So what is he saying? You're not going to have to die. You're not going to have to go through pain to get your purpose. You're you're not going to have to do the hard thing to get your purpose. And Jesus rebukes him and chooses to submit to God in that moment. Because remember, he was fully God and fully man, right? So that temptation that we feel in our flesh, he's feeling in this moment. The scriptures are clear that he was tempted every way that we would be tempted. 
So what if the temptation for you is to stay inside the circle because the enemy has tricked you into believing that your purpose is inside of it instead of outside of it? And you succumb to the enemy's plan for you without even realizing it. As God was talking to Moses, we see four key thought processes throughout Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4 that the enemy was trying to use to get Moses to stay inside a circle. Moses' ability to step outside the circle started when he stepped towards the bush, but it wasn't finished until he confronted these four thoughts. Sometimes, as you try to step outside your circle, the enemy's going to try to bounce you back into it. And you, you begin to take that step, and your foot's like, foot is like midair, right? Like stepping outside the circle, and the enemy's like, wait, no, you're a failure. You can't do that. Even if you get on the other side, it's just going to fail. Or, no, 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 you can't do that because you're not smart enough. No, you can't do that because that's not what, how God built you. He may have built everybody else this way, but he didn't build you that way. And we begin to give in to these thoughts, See, in Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, it shows Moses saying, saying this, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he, so he said, I will certainly be with you. And he said, The children of, and, and this shall be, shall be a, oh, good night. This shall be a, good night. Did I mess this up? No, I think I messed up the text. Anyways, we'll just keep moving on. I'll fix it before second service. Um, and so he says, when you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall, you shall serve God on this mountain. And so Moses is saying, who am I? And God's saying, I've already seen the end of it. When God calls you into purpose, he's, you're at the beginning, but he's already seen it played out. So if he knows the end of it, why do we question the beginning of it? And the first thought that the enemy is going to try to bring is, who am I? Who am I to do this? I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I can't speak. I can't do that. Who am I? But Moses was the perfect person. He grew up in the courts of the Pharaoh. He knew the traditions. He knew how to speak. He knew how to present himself. So who is he? He's the perfect person. But who am I? It's, this thought is, this is insecurity. Insecurity is what the enemy will use to keep you trapped inside the circle because you're, you're just not sure of yourself. You think you're more orphan than you are son or daughter. But this is the question. That this is the question that I feel at one point or another we all have asked or are going to ask. Who am I to deserve God's grace? Who am I to have such a blessed life? Who am I that, that any of this happens? We have a hard time just receiving the love, grace, and mercy of God's purposes for our lives. We can't believe that he wants to use us. And we begin to, to ask questions like, doesn't he know how broken I am? Yes, he does. Doesn't he know how I've messed up? Yes, he does. Doesn't he know that I can't do this on my own? Yes, he does, and he still chooses you. He still put his plans and purpose in you. He's still for you. And if God is for you, who can stand against you? Come on. He does know, yet he chooses us anyways. 
Let's go back to what Pastor Jason said in week one. What if your growth was being held up because you focused so intently on what is inside your circle that you missed the nutrients God set aside for you outside your circle? What you need to grow is not in your circle. The, the getting trap is that if you don't take, 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 you won't have it. And that's orphan math, not God math. Proverbs 11.25, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and, and one who waters himself will be watered. That's God math. So here's a paraphrase. You focus on giving and, and God will take care of your receiving. It's not about who you are, it's about who God is. We can't stay on the sidelines. We can't not get in the game. That's how he keeps us down. You can't view yourself through a lens of how you see yourself, but you have to look through the lens of how God sees you. So how does God see you? He sees you as a son and a daughter. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. He lavishes us with his love that he calls us son and daughter, children of God. There's a lot of things that the Bible tells us about how God views us, but being a son and a daughter is the most important. It's not until you can receive love as a son or a daughter that you truly understand the attributes of God the Father. So who, so who are we? We're a son. We're a daughter. You're not just some person that God decided might be able to do this. You're designed with plan and purpose. You're on purpose. You were given gifts that the Father knew you would need to fulfill that purpose. So you're a son and daughter of purpose. You're not a mistake. You're not somebody that just happened to stumble into, into a church one day and happened to find God that happened to be called to do something. No. That's not how it works. We might as well believe in, in what the world teaches us if we think that that's how it happened. No, it was the, the goodness of God that drew us to repentance. It was his mercy that hunts us down. That's right there when we turn around. There's no matter how far you can go, but it's right there when you decide to turn around. So we have to lay insecurity to rest. Number two, what if they? What if they? This is a thought process that we have. Like, what, what if they don't think I'm qualified? What if they don't want to follow me? What if they don't think I'm good enough? See, this is fear. When God calls us into something, when we find purpose, we're eager until the whispers start. The enemy comes in and starts planting these seeds of doubts. That's not really God. God didn't really call you here. God doesn't really want to do, do that with you. Why would God want to use you? They won't accept you. Man, I remember my, my, my first week here at Freedom. We, uh, I, for whatever reason, we had work off on Friday, and we got to come in, and the worship team got to get together and, and practice. And this was my first practice, like, leading the team. And I was super stressed out. Like, super stressed out because I was sick. I had congestion. 
my, my voice wasn't in its normal like registry and all this stuff, and I was super stressed out. And, and so I had set the keys before I got sick, and then I showed up for practice, and I couldn't hit them. And Deborah, it was really funny, she was sitting in the back in the, in the, in the sound booth, like, listening. And she's like, I think that key's a little too high. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, like, this whole time, the enemy was, the enemy was like, chastising me. And, like, they're not going to accept you. They're not going to think you're good enough. The, the, the last guy was better. And, and that's what I was fighting with the whole time. That's what's going to happen when you begin to step outside your circle is the enemy's going to try to bounce you back in through fear. He's going to try to bounce you back in through insecurity. See, there's a lot of people that are keeping themselves from God's best for their lives because they're concerned about what people think all the time. We have to overcome the fear of man. We have to overcome the fear of man. If God called you, that's all that matters. There's going to be haters. As Taylor Swift said, the haters are going to hate, 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 hate. Right? That's right. I just quoted Taylor Swift in my sermon. It, take that. When Monique hears it, she's going to love it. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man is the snare that can entrap us in the, enemy, in the enemy's plan for us, but whoever trusts the Lord is safe. We need to remember what 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Fear wants to make you feel like you're out of, out of control, that you have no power and you don't have access to love. Fear wants to steal those things from you. So let's, let's look at those three. Power. When we're beginning... When we are being fear-driven, we lose the power of Christ's victory. We begin to focus on what's going on inside the circle. We try to control everything and, and get to get the result we want instead of the result God wants. When we understand that there's nothing to fear, we get to walk in the power of Christ's victory. Love, when fear is driving us, we, re we react out of self-preservation. We begin to look at how everyone is treating us. We begin to focus on the deficits of life rather than the blessings. That is inside the circle because inside the circle there is only room for what benefits you. Love. When we understand that fear is broken, that, that all we have to do is shine the truth of God on it, then we begin to walk in compassion and love for people. We begin to forgive without provocation. We're able to be an extension of God on this earth. When we understand that, that fear is broken, all we have to do is use the truth of God to shine a light on the lie, and it scatters. It scatters. It cannot be held up in the light of God's truth. Self-control, sound mind, right? Some versions say self-control, some versions say sound mind. Fear wants, wants us to make impulse decisions that we think are best for us. It doesn't want us to think about the consequences, it wants us to be trapped in the circle. We talked about this earlier. The enemy is roaming like a lion, seeking whom he can devour. And if we aren't of sound mind, we will be devoured. When we realize that fear is vanquished, then we don't have to worry about stepping out in faith. We know that God has brought us here, so he will take us there. Right? If God's brought us this far, he's going to finish the plan. He is here for us, so who can stand against us? When the enemy comes knocking, we know we have a way of escape. That's 1 Corinthians 
we know that we can resist him. We know we can resist the devil when we allow God to, to build in us power, love, and a sound mind. That we have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Three, I have never. The enemy wants us to feel in, inadequate. So God's going to ask you to do something you've never done before. And the first thing you're going to say is, God, I've never done that. I've never led people. I've never counseled somebody. I've never spoke behind a podium. I've never done that. How can I do that? And all you think about is how you're going to fail because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants, to, he wants us to deny our gifts and purposes. What if the next step you took that God, is, God has, is calling you to and he's calling you to something new is the fulfillment of purpose and gifts that you've been longing for but you allowed the enemy to control your mind so you don't step into it? See, God is famous for calling you to something that you've never done because he's always going to require you to take some kind of leap of faith. This is good because it keeps you dependent upon him. When we begin to get to a place where we're so confident that we can do it in our own strength, that's not good and God, God might not be in it. I'd rather God be in it and me be nervous than me be confident and God's nowhere to be found. Moses was concerned that he wasn't qualified. He felt that his qualities, he felt he had qualities that disqualified him. Exodus 4, 4.10 says, But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I have never been, and I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. He was worried that his physical limitation was going to limit his ability to have desired impact. But here's the, th here's the thing. I'm stuttering like Moses now. Here's the thing. God equips those he calls. He's already equipped you. You just haven't discovered it yet. Just because we see limitations in the physical doesn't mean it translates that way in the spiritual. We have to remember that we are a spirit with a body, not a body with a spirit. And everything is spiritual. So stop looking at the physical and limiting what God wants to do in you spiritually. So if God calls you in the spirit, you've already been equipped. You've already been equipped. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. For God's gifts and his calls can never be withdrawn. Psalm 139, 14. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yet we act like we're garbage. We act like God's call isn't good enough. We act like him dying on the cross isn't good enough to give us the seal of approval. It's not like he just died for three-fourths of the population and the other fourth of us are just like, I guess we're no good. That's not how it works. Look at David. He wasn't the most physically astonishing man. We see that when Samuel sees his brothers. Oh, man, this dude, yeah, he must be king. Like, right? Like, and then David walks in and he's like, you sure it's him? <laughs> you know? And, and the difference is that David had a heart after God. See, God knew that even when he would make a misstep, he would come back into relationship with him. God equipped David for Goliath through the lion and the bear. He equipped, 
equipped David for Absalom, who was trying to overthrow him through his relationship with Saul. He was able to soothe Saul's torment because his worship in the fields. So many times we forsake the season we're in, not knowing it's a season preparing us for the purpose of next season. Everything that we have done or will do can be preparation for our purpose if we're willing to look outside the circle and find what God has for us. Moses spent 40 years in Egypt, and then he killed a dude and fled. He spent 40 years in the desert, and then he found a burning bush. And the 40 years in in Egypt prepare him to go back to set the people free, and the 40 years in the desert prepared him to lead the people in the desert. Yet we think God doesn't have it. We think that his plan is just because we can't see the end of it, we don't know if it's good enough for us. Each season prepared him for what he was about to face. Moses wouldn't have been comfortable speaking to Pharaoh without the first 40 years. He wouldn't have known what to do. He wouldn't have been able to lead the people through the wilderness without the time with Midian. Without that time being a shepherd. What, what's your desert season that's preparing you to lead people through that desert? That's how we need to look at it. We need to have a little bit of perspective that maybe I'm going through this hard stuff so I can help people not go through it the way I did. Don't forsake a season because it's uncomfortable. It might be the very thing that God wants to use to see you fulfill your purpose. It might be the very thing that God wants to use to see you fulfill your purpose. And finally, number four, use someone else. See, this is the one Moses lost. This was the thing that ultimately, I believe, that kept him in his circle when it came came time to speak to the rock instead of strike it. Because he, he, he got to a place where he just didn't, didn't fully buy in. That doesn't mean that his purpose wasn't fulfilled. It just means he didn't get the benefit of the promised land. Right? See, this one hits a little, little bit different for me. After all that God had said and done, he, he's still reluctant. Like, Moses was just with God, and God's like, okay, when you go before Pharaoh, you have a stick in your hand. Throw that stick on the ground. And a snake appears, right? He's like, grab the stick again, and it turns back into a stick. He's like, take your hand, put it in your jacket, and take it out, and it's white with leprosy. He goes, put it back in your jacket again, puts it back in, and then it's healed. He sees God do this, and he still has the audacity to be like, use somebody else. See, when it came time for him to step fully outside the circle, he disqualified himself and asked God to use someone else to talk to people. While Moses was built to be the mouthpiece not only to Pharaoh but to the people as well, he allowed what was comfortable to keep him inside a circle. One of the things I find interesting about Moses is he was a Levite. He came from the tribe that were meant to be priests. And if Moses is the type and shadow of Jesus in the Old Testament, he was supposed to be the leader and priest 
because Jesus is priest and king. But he sacrificed keeping the role together because he allowed his his inability to define him more than what God said he was going to do. See, this is going to be the biggest challenge we face. We may be, be able to get over the first three issues, but we have to make sure we are sure up in who God says we are and we trust him. This is the avenue that the enemy will, will use to try to get you right back in your circle. Your life will never really make sense until you do something in your life that really makes a difference. Because this is the thing. What if it's the very issue, the very problem that Moses felt that was disqualifying him was the issue that God wanted to use to prove to the people who he was? And Moses couldn't make that difference now. He, he couldn't be the mouthpiece. And it says that the anger of the Lord was stirred up at Moses. And he goes, fine. What about your brother Aaron? And this is when Aaron comes into the picture. See, if you're reluctant to obey what God asks, you'll never step into it. Ecclesiastes 11.4, one who watches the wind will not sow, and the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. What if you're not reaping the benefit of your purpose in your life because you still think whatever that issue is is too big for God to handle? The biggest issue with waiting to step into what God has for you is not that your purpose is delayed, it's that it could possibly be missed. See, we want to help you step into everything God has for you. We can't, we can't let our reluctance keep us from the fulfillment of purpose. We can't. So maybe today you've been thinking about stepping outside the circle. But you've had insecurity, fear, inadequacy, or reluctance keeping you from erasing that circle for good and moving forward. Well, the good news is, is you're in good company. We've got Moses, David, right? Peter. It was, it was Peter on the beach that his reluctance was shown and that Jesus was finally able to deal with it. This isn't just a you issue. And the longer we stay isolated with, within it, the longer the devil can manipulate us because isolation is the devil's playground. If he can isolate, he can win. We have to have community. So maybe the first step for some of you to erase the circle is coming to men's or women's group on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Maybe it's signing up for a D group. Maybe it's signing up to meet with one of our, our pastors and just be like, I need to talk. I need to get this out of me. We have to be careful we aren't letting the lies of the enemy keep us in a place where our purpose passes us by. Because that's what reluctance is. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. 
If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.